What is up, Huda Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and Makers. Mark, a lot to talk about on this one. We have Saints-Panthers coming up this Sunday, another important division matchup, the third in a row, believe it or not. Also got to talk about Jameis Winston, another week, another injury for number two. How will that affect it? Will it affect him? And what do we need to see out of Jameis? Going to talk about that. Peyton Turner, it got kind of pushed and shrugged under the rug, I would say, in terms of him being inactive in week two. Well, let's talk about it because there might be a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation about the 2021 first round pick. Also, the injury report and Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer. He's going to come on and talk about the Panthers and what we need to know about the Saints week three opponent. All that coming up right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Once again, guys, this is the Straight Up Saints podcast of Boot Crew Media, and this is week three. You know, before you know it, it'll probably be December, and we'll be upset about the season almost being over for now. But let's enjoy the early stages of the NFL season. Saints-Panthers, third NFC South game in a row. And obviously, see you guys in the comment section, as always. Drop your questions, comments, thoughts, topics you want to talk about, and I'll pull it up at any point during the show, uh, and we'll get to that. But first off, I want to start off by talking about Jameis Winston. And I think for Jameis, there's a lot to talk about. We can talk about the injury situation that's riddling him right now. We can talk about the performance in the Tampa Bay game. And and obviously some of that's interconnected, right? Of course. But I think what we need to talk about with Jameis is, you know, what to do at the quarterback spot. Because I think, I don't know if it's you guys, but I think more than ever, there's a lot of panic surrounding the Saints fan base. And I don't know if maybe that's because the days of, you know, Breeze and Sean Payton are gone or, Maybe people are uncertain about Dennis Allen. I don't know what it may be, but I just feel like everywhere I go, I'm seeing panic. And whether or not it's justified, I I really think it's too early to tell. But this is what I'll say about this whole Jameis situation. And we're going to start here. And and this is something I've been talking about and thinking about all day. And, And that's why I wanted to open up the show talking about this. I am not, especially this early in the season, week three saying the Saints need to do something at quarterback and make a change. I think that is way too ridiculous and premature to say when you're two games into the season and you're one and one. Too early to say. What has to happen, though, especially this weekend against, I would say, an inferior opponent relative to who the Saints have played so far, I think he needs to have a bounce-back performance. He needs to have a game that shuts a lot of people up. And I think one of the biggest issues right now for a lot of us and I think we're all kind of guilty of doing so with that, which, whichever side of the spectrum you may be on in this situation. There's no rational thinking going on with the Houdat Nation because there's one half that are saying, got to play Andy Dalton, got to start Andy Dalton. He's got to play. And then there's the other half that act as if it's wrong to say if Jameis Winston had a bad game, which he did have in week two. It was a bad performance after a heroic performance in week one. It was a bad one. There's a middle ground somewhere, and that middle ground is us saying, and it's fairly simple, that Jameis Winston just needs to play better. And more importantly, Jameis Winston has to realize this isn't the Bucs team of 2019 or 2018 or 2017. The Saints have a really good roster. And when you go back and you rewatch week two, and I'm guilty of rewatching week two, and I know I probably shouldn't have because it was a horrible game, especially in that fourth quarter, what you see is pressing, and I don't think you need to press because I know back in Tampa Bay, a lot of it was got to hit that home run ball, got to hit the home run ball. I think this Saints team has played, you know, in terms of the the, the balance, 
I, I think that all you got to do, hit a couple singles, hit a couple doubles. You don't need to constantly hit the home run ball. That being said, the home run ball was there for the Saints multiple times on Sunday. And Jameis just missed them. And I've heard questions about maybe it's the back, maybe it's the O-line. Well, it's not the O-line because I can tell you, and this is a this is a legit statistic. And, and again, I'm not someone who wants to throw out numbers all the time, but numbers do matter in a lot of situations, particularly in this one. Jameis finished the day, Sunday speaking, 2 of 11 on 15-plus air yard passes with only one of them coming when he was pressured. So he's got clean pockets for those. He just missed it. Now, maybe it is the back, right? And people have said, well, if he's injured, how is it fair to critique? That's where the irrational thinking comes into play. Because this is how I see it with the NFL. Whether you think it's fair or not, this is how this league goes because this is the most strict and, I would say, um, you know, harsh league in all of pro sports. If you're hurt and you play, people aren't really going to talk about you playing hurt. If you play well, you're a warrior. If you play bad, they're going to talk about you playing bad. And if you think that's just a thing specific to Jameis, I'm sorry it's not. Because last year, Baker Mayfield hurt his shoulder in week two, and he played through it. And guess what? Baker was really bad. But no one really talked about the shoulder injury that much. We just talked about how bad Baker Mayfield looked and whether or not he's a bust. And that was the conversation, right? And I'm not saying that Jameis's back injury isn't responsible for some bad throws. I bet it is. You can't play 100% with four broken vertebrae in your back. That just doesn't add up. What I am saying, though, is Jameis Winston, who is tough enough to battle through that, and he's done it time and time throughout his career battling through injuries, he knows the minute you put those cleats on, you put the helmet on, you are subject to criticism if you have a bad game. The injury doesn't just give you some type of shield away from that. So I think that's really important when we talk about this whole Jameis situation. You can tell me, yes, the bad back is why he had a, a really rough fourth quarter. I would argue he had a, fourth, a rough fourth quarter because he started pressing. He started thinking he had to make the big throw. When he didn't need to, this wasn't the fight for haymakers in my opinion, when they played the Bucs. Whether we liked it or not, it was a dink and duck, uh, dunk type of game. And trust me, there will be games where Jameis has to throw deep passes, and I'm sure he'll convert on them. That just wasn't the one. So I just want to make that abundantly clear. It's early in the season. I see some people having hot takes as to whether or not they may need to make a quarterback change. I'm not here to be one of those to say they need to make a, a quarterback change because I just think that would be flat out wrong. But what I will say, and I think this is awfully important, is that with the quarterback position being as important as it is, we need to be as objective as possible. If he plays well, he deserves his credit. If he plays poorly, you got to point it out. And I was the first one to jump on Twitter and talk about how great James Winston played in the fourth quarter of that Falcons game. And I was also one of the first ones to tell you, he just didn't play well against Tampa Bay. Now's week three, a chance to bounce back, and he needs to bounce back because if he doesn't, then all of the nonsense, all of the drama... That gets escalated. That starts to get louder. Do the Saints make a change? That's where you feed into it. So week three against the Panthers, I hate, I hate saying must-win game this early in the season. But man, the Saints' schedule is not going to get any easier. This is an opponent that is 0-2. This is an opponent with a head coach and Matt Rule that is struggling. I would say it's probably a must-win game. That's just how I feel about it right now. And when as it pertains to Jameis Winston, injury or not, if he plays, he's got to step up. Because if he's tough enough to battle out there, he's tough enough to make some plays. And, and I think he will make plays. I do think he will bounce back this week. This isn't me just trying to sugarcoat it. I do think Jameis will have a much better performance against the Panthers. But, of course, only time will tell if that happens. Now, the second thing I want to talk about, and I'm pretty sure Saints fans will be a little bit more in agreement on this one, is the Peyton Turner situation. 
I, just like many of us, were I was confused when the Saints drafted Peyton Turner. I know he played well at the Senior Bowl. I know he had flashes at Houston, but this isn't a player that I really thought, hey, you know, this is the guy that you need to take in the first round. I, I was looking at guys like Greg Russo, Joe Tryon, and, and ironically, Joe Tryon went to the Bucs, and he's actually played, obviously, much better than Peyton Turner so far. The book on Peyton Turner is by no means closed. But man, the book is going to start getting real, real rusty and real dusty if it doesn't get any use. And after seeing what happened in week two, I think it's officially time for people who were on the fence as to whether or not we should panic about Peyton Turner. I would panic. Just like I told you, I would not panic about the Saints quarterback situation right now because it's way too early. I'd be a little bit concerned about what the hell is going on with Peyton Turner because Dennis Allen told you with a straight face and he meant it that they wanted to see Tono Passigno over Peyton Turner in week two. And I have no problem with Passigno. I think he's a very versatile defensive lineman. But the league knows what he is. We don't know what Peyton Turner is because we haven't seen enough. But the Saints are telling you that they'd rather see Passigno in the game than Turner. And no matter how you want to slice it to maybe make yourself feel a little bit more comfortable about Peyton Turner's situation, that for me is damn telling. That, that, that just really, really telling to me about this situation. And we'll see if week three changes and he gets to play against the Panthers. And maybe he does. And maybe if he does play, maybe he gets a chance and a couple of opportunities to show us that he can make a move. But the Saints are playing the players who can best produce. And right now they're telling you that Peyton Turner is not one of those players. So whatever else you may think about that situation, I think that's personally wrong. I think they're just telling you he can't produce right now. And in a draft class that featured Paulson Adebo and Pete Werner, who are two really critical players on this defense, Peyton Turner's just not holding his own weight right now. And until he does that, he's not going to see the field. I think it's that simple and it's frustrating, but it's the truth of the matter. Now, let's get into the injury report before we dive into the matchup Saints-Panthers. And I'm going to have Ellis Williams on of the Charlotte Observer in just a couple of minutes. The Saints injury report is a long one. Paulson Adebo, Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchek, Traquan Smith, Taysom Hill, Marcus May, Jameis Winston, Adam Prentice, Deontay Hardy. They're all on the injury report. Now, thankfully, they were all limited participants. So no worrying about someone not, play, uh, not playing in practice. You don't have to worry about that. That's good. However, Jameis Winston does have another injury added to that report. It's not just the back now. It's the back and the ankle. Talk to the media. He seemed in good spirits as he normally does. But it, it, again, it is a concern. That's two weeks now, two different injuries. I still think he's going to play Sunday. I would be stunned if he doesn't play Sunday. But eventually, in a long season, 17-game season, they got 15 more of these things to go. It, it's, it's a little concerning. Doesn't change his status for week three. I expect him to play. But that is something that stands out and, and kind of pops off on the page when you look at it. Uh, and the other thing, and this is more good news, of course, is the fact that Paulson Adebo is back at practice. Paulson Adebo, and I talked, it about, uh, talked about it with so many people throughout the, the offseason because there are guys that kind of pop during training camp or pop during preseason and, and all the hype is there. But some of it is either unwarranted or some of it is maybe we get too caught up in practice plays and seven-on-sevens. I don't think that's the case for Paulson Adebo. I think Paulson Adebo's situation is much different. I think this is a player who looked really good as a rookie Every time he struggled as a rookie, he had a bounce-back performance, and now we saw it a little bit more on a consistent basis in training camp, added more weight, just looked dominant. Even against guys like Michael Thomas, made some plays, who's been Mike as usual. I think for me, 
That is wildly impressive. So once you get him into that secondary, and I, and I talked about it a little bit earlier today in a short video, you can slide Bradley Roby into the slot. You can maybe give Alante Taylor a couple of reps. You can move around PJ Williams and Justin Evans. And I think that will give this Saints defense even more versatility. And we already talked about it earlier. I'm not worried about this Saints defense at all. I know there's concerns about the pass rush and whether or not they can get after the quarterback. I, I get that. I, I get that people are going to talk about that because the sack number is not there. But I think some people, including uh, Nick Underhill, did a great job of kind of illustrating, look, week one, that's against Marcus Mariota. You are not going to blitz Marcus Mariota. You're not going to really get a lot of sacks on a quarterback of his stature, of his mobility. Tom Brady, he got the ball out in 2.3 seconds, I believe it was. Tough to sack a quarterback if they're getting out the ball in 2.3 seconds. I think things will change this weekend if they play with the same intensity they played against Carolina, uh, with against Tampa Bay. If they play with that intensity against Carolina, I think you will see a Saints team that gets those sacks that we've been looking for, right? Because, heck, I'm looking around the league. I'm seeing Nick Bosa. I'm seeing Micah Parsons. Those guys by themselves, they're getting two, three sacks a game with the way they play at their high level. I think it will finally come for the Saints, and I think it will come from a player who we've talked about an awful lot on this show, on every show, Marcus Davenport. That's a guy who you go into Sunday's game, I think that is someone who will really step up. And I want to give Davenport credit because I know it doesn't show up on the stat sheet but he was getting a lot of pressure in that Tampa Bay game. You're just a split second off when you're going up against the GOAT in Tom Brady. So again, Paulson Adebo's return to practice. I can't say for certain he plays on, on, on Sunday against the Panthers, but I can say for sure that his return changes the defense entirely in terms of giving you two outside corners that can be shut down, giving you the opportunity to move Bradley Roby in, and the versatility you will get of moving the other DBs I think that will change a lot. That's where Dennis Allen's at his best when you give him interchangeable defensive backs that he can move around the field. So I actually think this defense, I don't want to say the best is yet to come because, man, they look damn good against the Buccaneers for three quarters. But I really do think this is where we're going to see them play and, and hit their stride. And I think will happen as early as this weekend, which means the pressure will switch over to the offense. And of course, when the pressure switches over to the offense, that's where we get into crunch time and talk about things. But of course, a lot of that pressure that we talk about on Jameis Winston would get alleviated if Alvin Kamara plays on Sunday. And his situation's a little complicated. Rib cartilage injuries are actually more complicated than a, rib, a regular fractured rib. I, I believe everyone talks about the rib fractures actually being easier for a player than rib cartilage. And we'll see. And, and, and hopefully for Alvin Kamara, I know he got an injection. Hopefully this is a situation where he can play Sunday. And if not, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if Alvin Kamara's status should determine whether or not the Saints win the Panthers game. If that is the case, then I think the Saints have a lot more work to do than we initially thought. So we'll kind of see what happens there. But other than that, injury report, look, Ramchek limited, Taysom Hill limited, Marcus May limited. I, I'm not exactly 100% worried about those guys at this moment. I think they will shape out fine. And if any of them get downgraded on Thursday, I'll have an update about that and we'll talk about it. But for now, you're looking at Kamara, you're looking at Debo, and of course, you're looking at Jameis Winston, so we'll kind of see what happens there. But overall, that is a really, really crowded uh, injury report. Now, before I have Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer on, let's get some comments and questions that you guys put in here. And of course, if you're listening on YouTube, drop in more questions. Uh, if you're listening on Facebook, drop in more questions, and we'll talk about it uh, here. Anything NFL-related, honestly, but of course, uh, if possible, keep it straight up. Saints, Debo and AK playing. So we talked about it just a moment ago. Look, I, it's one of those situations where we kind of have to wait and see. I know Adebo is progressing really, really well. And frankly, Adebo was actually thought to play in week two. That, that's what we 
kind of heard leading up to the Falcons game was, hey, he takes a week off and then he'll be ready to go for the, the, the Buccaneers game. That just didn't happen. Needed one more extra week. The fact that he practiced today is a great sign. If he gets upgraded to full, then I think that's a very telling sign that he'll play in week three. Even if he's still just limited, I think that's a great sign um, regardless. So I'm not going to say super high hopes for both of them week three, but I can tell you for certain, Adebo is trending very well and Kamara is getting better. It's just a matter of do the Saints want to give him an extra week or do they want to play him? I think that's going to be it. Eric Wilson played well in the preseason. Why hasn't he been brought up? Look, I think for, for Eric Wilson, and I do agree, by the way, he did have a very strong preseason for the most part. There were only a couple of plays here and there that I thought he struggled a little bit. But overall, like you said, a, a pretty strong preseason. I think he's, you know, it's a tough spot. Demario Davis is Demario Davis, but more importantly, Pete Werner somehow actually looks better than Demario Davis through two games. And if they're staying healthy, you don't really have to worry about getting an Eric Wilson on the field. And of course, if one of them goes down, Eric Wilson, I think, is the first guy you call up and make sure he's into that lineup. But right now, man, as long as Davis and Pete Werner are healthy and they're doing their thing, I think that they'll be fine. And I, I really feel strongly about that. So um, that would kind of be my answer uh, to that question. Deep touchdown pass to Lave that was an interception. Should have been 10 yards to the right and would have been a touchdown for sure. Yeah, look, that's the thing, right? So a lot of people talked about Jameis falling in love with the deep ball to Olave and, and maybe he was too locked in. Look, my argument is a lot of those plays were there. And I said it on Sunday. I said it on Monday. And I'll say it again on this Wednesday. There were plays to be had. Jameis Winston just missed. And hopefully when he gets the chance to do it again, he just won't miss. I, I think sometimes the game can be that simple. I really do feel that way. Whether the ball should be five yards out more or if Olave thinks it's a post and Jameis is throwing towards the sideline, miscommunication happens in a game whose fault it's on, you'll never know. You'll never really know unless someone comes out and says it. But you know Jameis won't throw Olave under the bus if Olave ran the wrong route and vice versa. If, if the quarterback made the mistake, Olave is smart enough, he's not going to throw the quarterback under the bus. But I do agree. Look, this is one of those situations where they're just close misses. And I, and I do think if they find those plays again and they're dialed up and Olave's got that separation, they will come. People just have to be a little bit patient. Winston looked flustered the whole game. Look, I thought he looked calm in command in that opening drive. Things really, really changed. I think in the second and third quarter, this offense just got stale like they did in the Falcons game. And then in the fourth quarter, like I said before, pressing. And, and I think that's something that a lot of Saints people, uh, analysts, insiders, podcasters, they're going to tell you. It was on display, man. The minute the score was 3-3 and then Tampa Bay scored and it was 10-3, Jameis just started pressing. Could have taken a couple of easier completions to Michael Thomas, kind of went for it all. And I'm not saying he made the wrong reads, but just the throws were bad. And I think sometimes you can just live to see another down. And that's something that he's done well during his limited sample size with the Saints. But he's just got to make sure he does that on a more consistent basis. So that, that that's really it for me. I think that it's just one of those situations where you pressed. I, I kind of think it's just that simple. You got to beat the Panthers. Yeah, look, I think that will be a discussion for sure. If they were to lose this game, I'm sure it would be panic time on Twitter. I honestly don't know if I'd want to be on Twitter. It'd be a pretty ugly place for a while. But I think this is, this is one of those situations where it's early in the season and I'm willing to slap the must-win label on this game. It, it, it just has to be said. This is a team where... They're 0-2 right now. They're really struggling under Matt Rule. And I know that if you look at the Panthers, their combined points that they've lost by, it's very small. I believe it's five points just through two games. 
lost a field goal against the Giants, lost by two points on a Cade York field goal from like 58 yards out on the season opener to the Browns. So they're probably thinking they're knocking on the doorstep. But if you're the Saints, you got to be able to kick them while they're down. And that's just how this league is, because if you don't kick someone while they're down, they're sure as hell going to kick you right back. And I think if you're New Orleans, not only do you have the chance to make a division rival 0-3 to start the season, you get your second division win of the year. That's a big plus. You get momentum going into London. And London's kind of where the Saints figure things out, historically speaking. Uh, I think of this 2017 team. Remember where they figured things out. They beat the Dolphins in Miami, and then this team went on a run. And I'm not saying the same thing will happen for this Saints team, but if you want to put yourself in a position, you got to win this game. Besides the fact that they have struggled offensively and the Saints have done well defensively, that should be a combination where you have success and you're not going up against a mobile quarterback and you're not going up against Tom Brady. You're going up against Baker Mayfield, who, if we're being honest right now, he has struggled. He has struggled a decent bit. So we'll see what happens there. Um, as for this last comment here, and honest, if you guys have more comments, thoughts, predictions, drop them in the chat. I will pull them up throughout the show. So uh, definitely keep them coming. If you guys have any thoughts about anything Saints related, just drop them in. Do you think the Saints have a chance to win the division? Yeah, of course. It's week two. It's it's so early. And I think if the Saints-Bucks game played out differently, maybe I'd feel, um, maybe I'd have a different opinion on this. And what I mean by that is if the score was indicative of how the Saints played throughout four quarters, maybe I'd sit here today and tell you, I, I don't really know if this team can compete for the division. Maybe they're more of a wild card team. But, uh, you know, you guys watched the game just like I did. The Saints were the better team for three quarters. And even through the fourth quarter, you're looking at a team that if Mark Ingram doesn't fumble, if Jameis Winston doesn't press, if they don't have a couple of phantom calls in that altercation, you're probably walking out with a win. So the Saints have stuff to clean up. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to act like it's all sunshine and rainbows right now because it's not. Like the Saints do have concerns, and you just hope week by week you start snuffing out those concerns. And I, and I think they will starting this weekend, and, and they kind of have to. Um, so, yeah, just two weeks in. I think the Saints have a chance to win the division. Uh, of course, it's so early in the season. I think the Falcons and the Panthers for now are kind of who we thought um, they were they would be. And I think, you know, another thing for the Saints that that bodes well is the Pack, uh, the Buccaneers excuse me, have two tough games. They got the Packers and the Chiefs coming up. So if you want to kind of make a little bit of a mini run early in the season and be able to try, kind of gain some ground, this is where you do it. And, and I think this is their shot here. So we'll kind of see uh, what happens here. No offhand what our record is against Matt Rule. So I know last year the Saints ended up splitting with uh, the Panthers under Matt Rule. Remember the first game, coaches were out. You know, they were just blitzing nonstop. And then the, um, excuse me, the, the second game around, it was Taysom Hill playing. And they, they ended up winning that game. So I'll look at the 2020 season here and bring it up. Saints-Panthers, the Saints have, let's see, the Saints beat them both times in 2010. So that's uh, 2020, excuse me. So 2-0 off the rip. And then the Saints ended up winning, I believe, both, pulling it up now, winning up one in 2021. So the Saints are 4-2 and two against Matt Rule for three seasons. Matt Rule as a whole, though, he has a... 10 and 25 record. So kind of to my point again, this is one of those games you're not going up against an elite quarterback. You're not going up against an elite coach. The one one of the two wins Matt Rule has against the Saints is against a Saints team that 
got decimated by COVID. Absolutely decimated by COVID. And the other one, I believe, was when the Saints were kind of resting their guys because they knew that the playoffs were coming up and it was a little bit of a different scenario. So I'm not, I'm not really, you know, going into this game worried about Matt Rule. And I'll actually take it a step further. I think with the way this this Panthers tenure has unfolded under Matt Rule, the Saints don't have a chance to just make the Panthers drop to 0-3. The Saints have a chance here to potentially be the ones that get Matt Rule fired. And I'm not saying teams should take pride in that, but it's happened to the Saints before. We've had, you know, situations where, remember, Washington kicked the Saints' ass and Rob Ryan was fired the next day. So it's a tough business. And I think for the Saints, you got a chance here to put someone, uh, put your division rival down and we'll see if they do it. uh, Jameis ain't got it. Put Taysom in. Look, I'm going to be honest right now. If the Saints are going to get to where they want to go, Taysom can't be the quarterback because I think Taysom's way too valuable as an offensive weapon. And I would argue right now the Saints have not used Taysom Hill enough. And I think most people would agree. And maybe they're just trying to figure it out early in the season. I'm not overly concerned about that yet. But Taysom Hill does need more usage. I just think for the New Orleans Saints, if they're going to get to where they need to go, I don't think Taysom Hill at quarterback would be the answer. Now, to each their own, everyone has their different opinions on this. And I think that there are probably other people who share that thought. Uh, For me, though, I think him at that, you know, do-it-all position is where you get the best. John Baller asking, do you have any concerns about the three picks by Jameis and two fumbles in 2022 by Ingram or neither? I do have concerns about the Ingram fumbles. Absolutely. That's back-to-back weeks. The second one in the manner that it happened, right? So much lying on that game and that drive. And, and I think, look, at the minimum, the Saints are scoring a field goal on that drive. But with the way it was going, you're obviously hoping for seven. But at the minimum, you're getting three points in a game that points were hard to come by. That concerns me. Week one was trying to do too much. And I didn't make much of it when week one happened. And I'm, I'm actually curious if you did as well, if, if you didn't make much of it as well, John, in, in week one. But week two, when it happens back-to-back weeks, now I'm concerned. You can't cough up the football like that. As for Jameis Winston and the three picks, yeah, look, I'm concerned when the decision-making almost relapses to what it used to be. That's where I'm concerned. Uh, you know, the first pick, it was a bad throw. I thought Olave was fine. I didn't think the read was bad. I think that the second pick, I think I talked about it on Twitter. He had uh, Michael Thomas open over the middle of the field, and he just forced it to Jawan Johnson. So I didn't really like that throw. And then the third pick was just a terrible throw. It doesn't mean the guy wasn't open. It was just a terrible throw. So when he makes the bad decision-making, that's when I'm super concerned. And I think that's when Saints fans should be concerned. When you make a bad throw, you make a bad throw. Does it suck? It absolutely sucks. But if it's the right decision, you know that they made the right decision. They made a bad throw, which was the first pick for Jameis Winston. Right decision, bad throw. When he presses and he starts just throwing that thing up, that, that's when I don't feel good about it. So I'm not spamming the panic button at this moment, but I need to. he needs to bounce back. And I'll say it a million times before Sunday's game, and I mean this in the best way possible. Jameis has to step up against the, the Panthers. He doesn't need to be great. He just needs to play complimentary football. And that's probably the word I'll use throughout the rest of the season. Small sample size, but Alante Taylor looks promising. Hope he gets a little bit more playing time down the line. Think he could help our defense be better than it already is. So I talked about this after Sunday's game, and I don't think this is a hot take by any means. And if it is a hot take, I'm not actually even gunning for a hot take here. This is just how I'm viewing it, how I see the game, and and maybe I see it wrong. I thought Alante Taylor looked better than Bradley Roby on Sunday, and I know it was limited reps, and that's kind of unfair. 
But Alante Taylor went into a game that Tom Brady immediately sought him out and targeted him, as he should, by the way. You're Tom freaking Brady, and they just put a rookie corner in. You want to test him. You want to see what he's made of. And Alante Taylor answered the call. Again, limited sample size. I could pull up the amount of reps that he had just now, and it, it ends up coming out to 19 snaps on defense. So a decent chunk of change. Not a crazy amount, but a, a decent chunk of change. I, I think for him, he looked really good. And I agree. The Saints should be trying to find ways to get Alante Taylor on the field by all means necessary, by any means necessary, get him on the field. And, and I think hopefully that starts in week three. And, and honestly, I would not be surprised if we see more of him in week three, especially if Paulson Debo's out. And I think for the Saints, you should feel great comfort in that. And the added benefit to getting Alante Taylor in a little bit more, you could kick Bradley Roby to the slot because you're going to put him in the slot once Paulson Debo's back anyway. So why not get him more acclimated into that spot to begin with? And he was doing it throughout training camp. So if I'm New Orleans, Look, you don't take a lot of positive takeaways from a loss to the Buccaneers, but that was one of them. And I'm glad you brought that up, by the way, because I thought Alante Taylor, for people like me who were confused by the pick when it first happened, the skills are there. And you just hope he puts it all together. Not sure if you looked into it, but Cesar Ruiz had a really good game. No, he actually did. Look, I think the popular take, and I, and I talked about this earlier when I was talking about Jameis, the popular take, and this is not just for Saints fans, this is for football fans around the NFL, is we love to blame offensive linemen, right? We just love to blame them. We don't really give them credit when they play well, but when they play bad, we are ready with pitchforks to just talk about how poorly they played. And I think for the Bucks game, and you know, um, Deuce put out a, a lot of great stuff on, on Twitter, you're seeing Cesar Ruiz stonewall Vita Vea, who's one of the better defensive linemen and one of the stronger defensive linemen, in the NFL. So I was awfully impressed with that. I, I thought that, uh, you know, in the run game, he was a little bit, a little bit better. It's about finishing blocks. That's something he wasn't doing. And now he is, he's getting a little bit more better. He's getting a little bit better with his hands. I, I'm not ready to declare Ruiz as a, uh, you know, the, the most improved player on the saints of the year, but, and you guys remember after week one, I was concerned that was the performance I wanted to see. So I'm glad you brought that up about Cesar Ruiz. He did have a really good game in terms of, bouncing back from that week one performance. And now you just hope about him, about him putting it together. Week two last year against the Panthers, worst game he's ever had in a Saints uniform. Now we see how he responds. Week three, can he have another good game and string them together? And if he does that, all of a sudden, you start easing your concerns about this offensive line. Saints O-line gives me partial hope as a Panthers fan. Well, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I think both teams, you go into this game and they probably think the opposing offensive lines can be had, right? You know, I saw Baker Mayfield under a decent amount of pressure in the Giants game, and then vice versa, you bring up the O-line of the Saints, and you're not wrong. They've given up 10 sacks already to Jameis Winston. There, there are moments to be had, and I think you look at both sides, right? The Saints have a ferocious defense, and we already saw last week with the Panthers, Brian Burns had two sacks against the Giants. So I, I think that these O-lines, and, and of course with every game, trenches are going to be important, and you're not wrong for thinking that. Ryan Ramchick's a little bit banged up. Saints O-line, look, it improved in week two, but it still wasn't pristine. They, they have things that they need to work on. So I think that for, for the Saints, I think the possible weakness here, it's twofold. I, I still am not 100% sold on what the Saints are doing against the Blitz. I don't know if Jameis isn't reading it right or the offensive line's not reading it right. Someone is making critical errors when teams are blitzing. And if you go back to week two last year, what did the Panthers do? Unloaded the Blitz on Jameis Winston. I'd imagine they're going to do that again early in this game and see if the Saints have adjust. And the Saints did not adjust. 
Then all of a sudden, if you're Panthers, more incentive to keep running it like they did in week two. So I think that's where the weakness really is for the Saints. Is their O-line as dominant as years past? No, and that, that is an obvious issue. But the bigger issue here is when teams are sending those linebackers and when teams are doing stunts, this O-line looks confused. And that's a communication thing. That is a focus thing. And that is something that should be easily corrected. But man, it wasn't good in week one. And then it was worse in week two. So if there is a weakness, that's what I would say it is. There are moments. And of course, look, when we talk about O-lines, sometimes your quarterbacks just hold the ball too long. And there have been moments like that with Jameis Winston, but there have also been moments like that with other quarterbacks. You know, I look around the league and I saw, I see people always talk about Joe Burrow and the beating he takes and Joe Burrow gets sacked an awful lot. And I do feel bad for him. There are moments where, because Joe Burrow by nature wants to extend the play and move out of the pocket, he ends up holding the ball too long. You hold the ball too long. Your offensive line can't protect for that long. You're going to get hit. So it goes both ways, but Look, this O-line game, it's going to be part of it. A huge part of this thing, but we'll see what happens. Now, I'm still waiting for Ellis to join the show. I don't know if he ends up being a late scratch. If he does, uh, that's no problem. We'll just get right into it anyway. Talk about Saints, Panthers, notes, and of course, guys, if you're listening, make sure to drop some comments in, uh, and I'll get them up in a couple of minutes. The first thing I want to talk about is, is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield and Jameis Winston, you know, people they're, they're so different in terms of playing style, but the career trajectory is, is somewhat similar, right? Like, Jameis Winston, I thought, started off pretty well with Tampa. I know people like to say turnover machine, this and that, but I, I thought he started off just fine in Tampa, then had the rough season, then people were ready to be, you know, down and out on him. Baker Mayfield starts off hot, has a little bit of a rough patch, makes the playoffs, has the bad 2021 season, now people are out on him. And I think they're both in a similar situation where it's almost now or never, right? If it doesn't work for Jameis this season, I don't know if another team will give him another starting job. If it doesn't work for Baker this season, I don't know nor think another team will give him a starting job. So they're both in similar spots. But what I'll say about this, and this is why I bring up Baker Mayfield and why he's so important to this week's game, it's not just that he's the opposing quarterback that the Saints are going up against. It's the way he's played through the first two weeks. Through the first two weeks. And when I saw these numbers, I couldn't believe it, but it was from David Newton of ESPN, who's a really great Panthers reporter. Baker Mayfield, through the first two games, he ranks 32nd in total QBR, 34th in completion percentage and 31st and third down passes that are converted. There are, there are things that Baker Mayfield is not. He is not an athletic quarterback by any means. He is not the guy that's going to wow you. But the one thing he was throughout college and for the most part early in his Cleveland career, he was accurate. And you haven't seen that through the first two games. Another thing you're seeing, a lot of batted passes. Had, I believe, five the first game. Started off the Giants game in week two with a couple of batted passes. I bring this up because these are moments where the Saints defensive line, man, we talk about them having to put up those numbers. This is the opportunity. And this is a great showcase and possibility for them against a Baker Mayfield who has been struggling. So that's something that I'm looking at. Another thing I'm looking at, CMC's usage. I tweeted about it today. McCaffrey, Pete Warner, it's on this Sunday. And I think for the Panthers, a big problem with, at least from when I'm seeing it, there's so many times where McCaffrey makes something out of nothing and it's like a dump off for five yards that turns into 50 yards. Those plays have not really been had yet and they might be coming. CMC is one of those guys that you just cannot deny when he's on the field. So if you're the Saints, you're trying to neutralize that and for Carolina, you're trying to get as many quote-unquote cheap yards as you can. So that's something I'm looking at as well and I think CMC, in terms of workload-wise, they've done a really, really good job of making sure that they don't overwork him. And, and that's something that is important because we all know, and Saints fans talk about it all the time, McCaffrey gets banged up a lot, but he's going healthy into week week three. 
and the Saints will have to account for him. And, and I think they will. This is a player who they know pretty well, and he's hit. He's banged them up a couple of times before, and they got to make sure they do their best to contain him, and we'll see if they can do that. But the matchup that is is interesting to me, DJ Moore, Marshawn Lattimore. The one thing I hated about the Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore scrum was that not enough has been talked about the way Marshawn Lattimore's playing this year. Marshawn Lattimore through two weeks, and I know it's just two weeks. Everything that we saw him do well last year, it's carrying over to this year. And that is a great sign because Lattimore usually takes a couple of weeks to get going and get fully engaged. That's not the question. He's ready to go. And that will only continue when you see who's the opponents on the list. DJ Moore this week. Next week, Justin Jefferson. Then you come back, you verse DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Then you verse Jamar Chase and those boys on the Bengals. He will be locked in all season long. And now he gets a chance against DJ Moore, who is a damn good receiver. I would argue DJ Moore is the most underappreciated guy at the wide receiver spot in the NFL. That's just the way I view it. He's a damn good receiver. And when you rank receivers, you never really hear about him, even though he's damn good. So DJ Moore and Marshawn Lattimore, how do they play? How does Lattimore build off that game? Does he have pimped up aggression? Is he going to have it controlled and still play great? I'm curious to see. You know, he did get injected unfairly, in my opinion. And now we'll see how he gets back out there. But make no mistake, before that ejection, Marshawn Lattimore was playing lockdown football. And when Marshawn Lattimore plays lockdown football, and part of this is the Saints bias talking, part of this is just me saying, this is just how I see it. I don't think there's a better man-to-man corner when they're on their games. If I take every corner in the NFL and say they're going to play their best football, man-to-man, their best version, give me number 23. And we'll see if number 23 does well against DJ Moore this Sunday because that's going to be a big-time matchup. So, last thing, when it, as it pertains to Panthers-Saints, because it doesn't seem like Ellis will be hopping in, which is unfortunate, but hopefully uh, I'll get him on later this week. How does the coaching matchup go? You know, we talk about Dennis Allen and whether or not he's ready for prime time, and I know so many people are ready to talk about it. I'm curious to see Pete Carmichael. Pete Carmichael, how do you respond after back-to-back weeks of your offense not working well. Because the Saints, and, and to put it bluntly, they've had one good quarter of offensive football. Can they change that Sunday against the Panthers? A Panthers defense that did okay, not great, but not terrible against the Cleveland Browns, and then one that shut down a pretty limited Giants offense. And maybe that's not something to write home about, but they did do that. So I want to give them credit there. So Pete Carmichael, how do you look? How does your offense look? against the Panthers. That's something I'm looking forward to for this weekend. But Saints-Panthers, week three, going to be a really, really important matchup, and we'll see how it all unfolds. Saints need a bounce-back win. Jameis Winston needs a bounce-back performance. We'll see if they can do that. And if they do, we'll be here to cover it here on the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. 